Can you update the status of Vernon Jackson, please? Yeah, Vernon, uh, he's, we're going through the medical process with him right now. Uh, still doing evaluation, so we'll know further here coming up pretty soon. Coach right here, second row. Hi, Coach. Uh, Clint Schweitzer, Great American Sports Network in Kansas City. Can you just talk about your transition from the ACC to the SEC? You've got one year under your belt, uh, some wonderful people down in College Station. Just uh, how that met your expectations being under the guise of the 12th man? Uh, listen, uh, College Station, Texas A&M, the 12th, it, it doesn't get any better. And I, and I say that not just because I'm coaching. I've been in a lot of places. And being to the SEC, I cut my teeth in the SEC. I was at Auburn for six years, LSU for seven we had some great success at both places. I knew what to expect in the league, but Texas A&M provides you all the things you have to have. They have tremendous support from the administration in, in all phases, from the, from the chancellor to the president to their athletic director, everybody involved, and, and, and they do the things you have to do. And then the 12th man is just, you know, it's second to none. We know, they're like, right, what do we need to be successful and how do we need to do it? And it's a great relationship we have, and it's, it's a very unique place, and I love being there. Coach, right here on the front row. Coach, how far has Kellen Mond come since you first got him? Well, I think maybe you want to ask him that, <laughs> but uh, I think a long way as far as how he approaches the game and, and understanding how to play the position of quarterback, not from just an X and O standpoint. I mean, his knowledge of the game has been tremendous. The conversations we have and his ability to see blitzes and protections and how to attack coverages and all those things. But I think from a standpoint of how to be the quarterback and the leader of the organization from a standpoint of how much time do you spend with guys off the field, how he sets and works with the young players and understand the psychological disposition to be able to – compete at a high level the ups and downs of everything that goes on and I mean he's he's a blast to be around and listen nobody works any harder than Kellen does he's a tremendous he puts the time in the film room and in the, in the weight room and the conditioning and throw I mean he does everything he has to do to be great and he's one of those guys as he's having success he deserves every inch of it right here in the second row in the middle yeah coach after last year's uh seven overtime game how many overtimes do you think you've you could possibly go to in one game. That <laughs> was pretty amazing. Uh, our guys were fresh. We felt they felt like they'd go three or four more. We almost did. I'm just glad we come up with a final one two point play that uh, we had to have at the right time. So, but that was being, to be involved in that game was uh, very iconic and uh, something we'll always remember. It was one of the great games in college football history. Gentlemen, on the end of the front row, please. Right, you just go ahead and ask it. Jim, just uh, I'm sure you heard that this. this statistic that uh, Nick is 16 and 0 against former assistants. Uh, just what's it going to do? I have never heard that. Okay. Kirby <laughs> <laughs> has a similar response. Um, but just what is it going to take uh, for a team to kind of knock Alabama off and in particular Nick? A 60 minute football game. You got to play 60 minutes and play well and play, and play well in the game. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not going to be any brain surgery. Believing you can win and go in and play in the game. I mean, that's their, they, they have a tremendous program, but you know, they, they, they're a football team, too, that can have ups and downs. You have to go play a very good football game. That's what it's going to take because they have good players. They're well-coached, and they expect to win. They, they've built a culture of winning, So, that's, and I'm not trying to be smart. I mean, that's literally what it's going to take. You've got to go play a very good football game, expect to win, and make the plays when you have the opportunities. To your left, Coach. Hey, Coach. Um, I know this is way down the line, but do you have any idea what it's going to feel like to go into Tiger Stadium as an opposing coach and coach against LSU? Well, I've actually done that. Not as a head coach, but as an assistant coach when I was at Auburn. We played some epic battles there, too. But uh, it'll be fun. I mean, like I say, that's, going, that's developing into one heck of a rivalry. And I have, listen, I have great respect for LSU. I, you know, we had great success there. Both my children were born in Baton Rouge. <laughs> they were born there. But it's, it's, a, it's a heck of an environment. I, I know this. I always liked going in there when they were behind me than not, and then against me. That's one, of the most, that's one of the toughest places to play in college football. And it'll be, it'll be a fun, exciting, tough environment, no doubt. Right here in the, in the camera bank. Go ahead. 
Coach, we've got a trio of guys from Montgomery, James Foster, Tank Jenkins, and Keyshawn Brown. Talk about the dynamic that they have with each other, and more specifically, James, and what you hope to learn from Kelly. Well, you know, they, they are. They're very close. Those guys are really close. And uh, But those, all, both, all of them are doing well. Keyshawn's doing a really good job in the summer program. I heard Tank's was in our two deep, and uh, James is in our two deep coming out of spring practice. Those guys are battling. Uh, but James is a very dynamic guy, and I think what he has learned so far, he's had great physical skills, but I think what he's learning from Kellen is how to prepare and how to mentally prepare and get yourself in position to play by getting, not just getting in shape, but how to get in that film room and understand how to take advantage and, and learn and learn from watching him prepare for games is a big thing I've seen, and that's the biggest difference from the first semester to the second semester watching him do it. James has a tremendous future. Right here in the front row. Jimmy Ott, ESPN Radio, Baton Rouge. Um, I was going to talk about the LSU series, but since we touched on that, um, trying to instill a physical component, you know, rushing the football and stopping the rush was an issue before you got to A&M. Is that where it needs to be right now? You, you know, where's that been? I think it always starts. And this leg, it's always going to start there. I think that's what separates this. I mean, you have great skill guys and a lot of leg, and you have them in this leg as good as anybody. But the difference of the guys that put their hand in the dirt and the offensive defensive line in this leg are – it's just different from a top to bottom. And you have to have that physicality in this league if you're going to be able to do it. You won't throw it all day, but you better be able to run it. Because them guys up front on the other team, everybody's got guys that can rush. And you have to establish that line of scrimmage. Or you're going, I don't think you'll have consistent success in this league. Coach on the second row. Jimbo, how have you seen the comfortability with your players and your system grow over this past year and plus? And, and can you ever get where you want to get? When being you're never where you want to be. <laughs> if good enough's ever good enough, you're in trouble. But I, I, I do think from the questions they asked, I mean, the thing that excited me most about the off-season program, spring practice, and then, and then going in was how they approached it. I think the first year, which was ex understandable, they didn't know they didn't know what, how we wanted things done. Whether that's the best in the world, I don't know, but that's how we wanted things done. And I think from that, they really embraced at the success they had at the end of the year going into the offseason, understanding why we have the offseason, why we practice like we practice, why we are so situational and in, 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 in practice, and understanding the mental game not along with, you know, guys want to grind physically, but do they grind mentally? See, I, and I think understanding how to win because, listen, I don't care how good of players you get in this league, everybody's got good players. It's going to come down three, four, five plays in the game that you have to be able to make and expect to make. And I think they're learning to practice that way, expect that way, but then have the expectations of winning, not hoping to win, expecting to win. Coach, on the second row right here, please. Hey, how good. How are you? Um, so Steve Shaw was talking about the changes, the criteria changes in targeting. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I mean, take away being a reporter or a coach, but a fan, the fans are going to go crazy over this because you still have the, you know, the, Player safety is at the forefront, but you now have criteria that has to be met. Is How that, do you feel about that as a coach? I think it's excellent because I think it at least sets a standard for what it is and what – I mean, it's defined. And I think once you define something, then you can coach something. I think it's hard to – be consistent on how you coach and how you do things if you don't know the rules. And, I, and, and the part about it I like is before it had to be that if it was, you know, if there wasn't reasonable doubt, it wasn't that they called it. I think because it, the penalty is so extreme, when you're talking about making guys set games out now for excessive penalties, which I totally agree with, if you make sure that they're actually doing it. I, I think the new rule changes is outstanding in my opinion. I think Steve does a great job explaining it too. Coach, on your left, the gentleman in the red shirt. Yes, sir. Back here, how do you feel about potentially facing Nick Starkle, and what kind of career do you think he can have at Arkansas? Listen, Nick, I have nothing but respect. I, I said this last year. We had two guys that I felt could have started. I, I, we happened to pick, you know, Kellen 
got won the nod and then played very well. But Nick is an outstanding player, has tremendous ability, can has great arm talent. He's tough. He's mentally – he understands the game. He wants to be good. And he's, an, and he's a better person than he is player. And, I'm, I, and I think he's one heck of a player. I have nothing but – Tremendous respect for Nick Starkle. And, you know, I wish, you know, you could keep him in there, but I understand. And it would be tough. It's going to be very tough playing against because he's a heck of a player. Coach, second row of cameras up in the middle, please. Hey, Coach, right here. What improvements have you seen from linebacker Braden White, and how much do you think he'll contribute this upcoming season? Listen, he's the epitome of, of, of what you think of when you A&M. This guy, there's, he has the word, I'm going to say basically has to be, there's the word slow down or not be wide open is not on his agenda. And he's a brilliant player. He's a very intellectually smart. He understands the game, very instinctive. And, I mean, he gives every ounce and soul of himself mentally and physically on – I'm not going to say – I mean, every practice, every workout, everything he does. And, he, and like I say, if everybody in our program works like Braden, we'll, we'll, we'll be tremendously successful. Gentlemen here in the blue, third row. Yes, sir. Coach, I wanted to ask you about two newcomers, uh, Elijah Blades and DeMarvin Leal and what you've seen from them to this point. Well, uh, Leal, we, we got to see him a little bit in the because he came early. And then he tweaked the knee, and he, which he's fine. Now he's back going full speed, and he gets to go through spring. But you saw a tremendous athleticism. You saw a guy that's big, athletic, can run, jump. I mean, he, he's I, – I think he's going to be outstanding. I'll be shocked if he's not a tremendous player. I don't, you know, you don't need to put too many expectations on a kid, but he has all the tools and is a workaholic. I mean, he gets it. He's very smart. Uh, Elijah Blades, I mean, saw him briefly in the workouts before we left for – for break, it can run athletic, long, great ball skills, tremendous acceleration, can run. And our strength and conditioning guys say in the summer workouts, he's been outstanding, been a leader and been a, been a very hard worker. So I think he, he, ought, he ought to have a big contribution, and I think DeMarvin will too. Coach Middle, three rows back. Hi, Coach. Hello. Simone, CBS 42 in Birmingham. I asked Kirby and I also asked Jeremy the biggest thing they took from their time under Coach Saban, something they still use today. I know it's been a minute. Um, for you rather than for them, but what's something that maybe you still use that you learned from him at your time at LSU? I, I think Nick encompassed the whole program, and when I say from an organizational standpoint, how you organize things, but I thought in the forefront where he was ahead of a little bit of people, and I believe in it too, and I've said this for the last 10 years, I think one of the biggest issues we have in, in college athletics today is mental health. I truly believe that because I think the guys are facing unbelievable pressures that they've never faced before. And I think the ability to use psychologists, sports psychologists, and things early in our careers that, that we use, we use a lot of the same people in, in, in that regard. And I think he was ahead of himself in that. And I've always believed that and, and kind of did that. But I think that was one of the things that I think he does a really good job of that I think that we still do and I believe in wholeheartedly because these kids are facing because of this and the social media and expectations and Oh, I mean, the world we're in today, it wasn't like when we played. And everything you do is magnified, I'm going to say, a thousandfold. I know that sounds crazy, but I believe that. And I think the ability to, to let them how to deal with the pressures of today and have release. Because I think, you know, the thing we talk about with kids, and I think from this standpoint, I'm going, I'm going off on another little tangent on my own, but we want them all to be perfect. We want this. But where does a kid get to be a kid? Where does a kid get to that release of the pressure of not being under the microscope of everything he does? They say, well, that's part of it. Well, wait a minute. It is part of it, but that kid still, his mind is still 18 years old or 17 years old or 19 years old. You have to learn to deal with that. And I think learning from the mental health side of that and learning to deal with that, I think, was one of the biggest things. And I still use it exclusively. To your left, Coach, among the cameras. Hey, Coach, I guess you've known Scott Woodward about 20 years. I don't like the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, a uh, long time, a long time, yeah, since 2000 when I went to LSU. Yeah, you guys changed the culture in Baton Rouge with 
and then he brought you to, to yes. uh, just just your your reaction of him going to LSU, and does that intensify this this rivalry even more? Oh, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't diffuse it, <laughs> that's for sure. But you know, I'm happy for him. He's going home. I mean, but I thought Scott did a tremendous job. I mean, I've always had tremendous respect for him as a person first, and he's done a great job in his, his role when he was with uh, Chancellor Emmert at the time, and Mark is now the president of the NCAA. When he was with us at LSU and as an athletic director, I think he's done a great, you know, he's, everywhere he's been, he's been highly successful. And, you know, he has a great vision to see things and do things, and uh, we have a great friendship and um, a great respect, and I love him, and I wish him success all but one week. Right here in the front row. <laughs> Hey, Coach, uh, Bruce Marshall, Sports Byline USA. Schedule question for you, but a little bit different. you got all these big games we know this year, and there's already that buzz about the Clemson game in week two. Mm-hmm. But the challenge for you and your staff, the opening game, Texas State, they've got a new staff. They're coming in there with nothing to lose. We've seen Sunbelt teams come in. Oh, there's dangerous. no doubt. Tell the preparation for your team for that first game with the big Clemson game. You do, yeah. you, and what I think, when you, when you get your program to where you want it and how the guys think – your opponent has no face. You have a faceless opponent. You know you say that. And I know it's tougher to say, but there's a point they believe that. And they got to understand how they got to build off each and every week. And I think that's where we're at in our process uh, in the understanding that no matter who we play, there's a, there's a standard in which we have to hold them to in practice in the offseason. I think that comes from how we do things and how we make them practice. I think, listen, I, I believe this. Kids do what you let them get away with. And I think there's a standard in which you got to hold them to. And they say kids are different today. They're different unless you make them do it the old way. You know, and we're going to try to do that. Now, that's our challenge as coaches, and they have to buy into that. But if you want to be a great program and win, it doesn't matter who you play. It's how you play. And I think you have to build that. And that's, going to, that's part of our culture that we preach daily. And I think if you want to play well that second game, you have to play well the first game. And I think you build off of that. And that's, and that's our approach. And, but is, is it challenge? Yes, because kids and, and, and any time think – up and down, but Texas State can, you know, anybody can beat you, and everybody has players across this country. Yeah, Coach, how have you seen Justin Matabuke emerge as a leader with all the losses in the front seven, and do you have any specific examples? Well, I, I think Matabuke, first of all, you know, he kind of came out of nowhere last year. I mean, he played a little bit. No one realized how good he was when we got there. We were, we were in love with him, and they thought he played great. But not only that, I think the first thing that's making him have to play is, is the people around him. Trey Brown is an outstanding player. Jaden Peavy is playing his tail off inside. He's a big-time player, too, and I think if he knows if he – if he even breathes wrong, somebody's going to pass him up. But I think he's understanding. And I, and I matter of fact, I had a talk today about, you know, or you, you, want to be a, you want to win the SEC, you want to win the National Championship, you want to be a first, or you want to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, there's a, there's a mentality of getting those guys who have that ability to look past just making it. Now, I want to be the best there ever was. And I, I think that's the thing that got to continue to drive you. And I think that's where he's at. He's learning how to drive and work and learn the off-field things just like he is on the field. When he gets on the field, he plays his tail off and he does now, but learning how to everything he does, and that's why that's our process with him now, like all those guys that have been there, that everything you do has to have a championship quality to it because it sends a message. It creates a habit of who you are because who we are is what our habits say we are, what we do daily, myself included. We all are. We have this image of what we are. Well, look at what we do daily. That's who we really are because that's your habits and how you think, and I'm trying to get him to think like that, not think like a great player, think like a champion. Great players can come and go. You want cha- a championship mentality. There's a very few percentage of people in this world that truly can embrace it and engulf it. Same row, Coach. Third row on the end, please. You have your hand up. Yes, ma'am. Yes. So just based off of experiences from last season, what would be your biggest improvement that we've seen from the team this year that you know you've seen in the offseason? You know, I, I think, first of all, embracing the grind. I think they understand after the success we had at the end of the year, the little run we had of why we do the things we do and that 
you know, I'm not just going out there to put work in. I mean, because some guys, you can go out there and run and sweat, and you get your work in, but am I putting myself in that situation, uh, pretending like it's the end of the game and how I practice and how I play for a championship? I always said this is the greatest quote I've ever heard in my life. People asked Michael Jordan one time, why are you so, what do you do different at the end of the game? His answer was, I don't. I'm the same as I was in practice. Everybody else changes. I don't change. Because every day I practice was for the NBA championship. And I think trying to get your players to understand that at everything they do, they're put themselves in that mindset right as you're running, as you're doing the rep, as you're making the throw, as you're making the tackles. I'm doing this right now at the game's on the line. So when that moment comes, I'm expecting to make the play, and I'm in a, in a psychological position to understand that that's what I do, and it reacts, and your body will react that way. And I think I'm trying to grasp that is the biggest challenge, and I think hopefully we can make great strides in. We have more questions than we have time. Our final question right here, the gentleman on the third row. AJ Spirit, WVUAFM, uh, Tuscaloosa. Coach, it seems like the battle for the SEC West in 2019 is going to come down to Alabama, LSU, and A&M. Um, what do you think gives A&M the edge over the other two teams that could lead them to the SEC championship? I don't think the edge is going to come from how you play and, your cycle, and, and expecting to win and do it. You just, I don't think there's an edge by anybody. I think the edge is going to find out what you do on Saturday afternoon and, and how you prepare to play and expect to play and, and embrace the challenges and things and realize there's going to be good things happen, bad things happen, but being able to persevere through them all. And I, I think a team that can have, have the strongest mental disposition is one that's going to come out on top. Coach, thank you very much for your thank time. You. Good luck this year.